0: All right, take your Bibles and uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24. So get your Bible ready and um, please, you know, don't hit the pause button or or and you can't fast forward if this is the first time through. But if you're watching this later, you know, so so try not to do that too much Just stay with us here now. okay? we're going to talk about some serious stuff. We're going to talk about serious times. We know we're living in serious times. Nobody has to tell us that. Um, and these times are different than any other time that we've lived through. And um, I know uh, I'm calling it serious times because uh, you always hear, everybody's talks about how that these are unprecedented times, and I've heard that so many times it just makes me want to gag even saying it right then. But it is; it's like nothing we've been through before. Um, so I need to get in the Word of God and get some clarity on some things because we can get so bogged down in confusion and and and, and problems and things uh, and and all the other issues that are coming along with this that we we miss what we're really supposed to be focused on as the uh, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ as as Christians as those who are supposed to be salt and light in this troubled world that we live in, but we know God's still in control. Uh, but want to look in Matthew chapter 24, uh, where Jesus deals with some important questions concerning the end times. Um, with all these things happening, it's like, uh, wow, th- you know, this is this is crazy, but this might be what last days living, at least in the beginning part of these last days, looks like. Who knows what's next? God knows, so we need to be ready. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus laid something on the disciples that uh, blew their mind. Um, In just a moment, we're going to read a few verses, but if you're looking at Matthew 24, you find out in the very first part of this that Jesus, this is shortly before Jesus goes to the cross, but he's in Jerusalem, he's been teaching in the temple. And as he was going away, the disciples, they pointed out the buildings in verse 1 of the temple. And this was a magnificent structure. One of the wonders of the world. It was incredible. And they were admiring it. They were pointing it out to him. And Jesus said something that blew their sandals off. He, he said something that shocked them. He said uh, in verse 2, he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here. One stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Well, they couldn't imagine that. They couldn't imagine. This was so amazing. Uh, but now you and I know that there are a lot of things that six, eight, ten months ago we couldn't imagine would be happening right now that are happening. And that's kind of what he's saying. You, you guys can't believe this, but this is what's going to happen. And You and I know as we look back in history that exact Thing did happen in A.D. seventy when the Romans came into Jerusalem, and they ransacked the city. They desecrated the temple. They destroyed it. They did exactly what Jesus said. They killed a lot of the population. However, we also know because of some of the things that Jesus had taught, and because of the things that the early Christians knew, that many of the believers who still were in Jerusalem that hadn't already been scattered because of persecution that many of them saw the signs and they fled the city and went to safety. Uh, But Jesus says this and then they go outside of town to the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him then when it was just them. And they said in verse three, tell us. And so there's three questions we're going to deal with uh, in this passage or that Jesus deals with. So as you go through this whole passage, you need to be aware that Jesus is really dealing with these three questions. And the first one is they say in verse 3, tell us when will these things be? These things that he was just mentioning about the temple being destroyed. Then the second question, and what will be the sign of your coming? And then third question, and the end of the age. And age is the best translation there. The Greek word is... uh, aeon, not cosmos. And so he's talking about the end of the age. And when they asked that question, what will be the sign of your coming? They, they weren't, they weren't saying that like what we would say. They weren't meaning the same thing that you might mean when you talk about his coming. Uh, The Greek word is parousia. And uh, it literally means presence or an arrival. So when they asked that question, they didn't know he was going away. And so I think that was the thing is, how are we going to know when you announce your re- arrival? When all the expectations of the Messiah that the Jews had is that he, and no one had ever done the things that Jesus had done and taught like he taught. So they just thought, he's going to be assuming power in Jerusalem. And when he does that, the Romans may surround and he supernaturally is going to destroy the enemies and usher in this kingdom age. That's kind of what they believed, And that's pretty much what they're indicating here. Uh, because even after Jesus went to the cross and conquered death and was resurrected and was with them as their resurrected Savior, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, that they were still with Jesus before he ascended and they asked him then even, Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. But then what did he say next? Here's what it was for them not just to know, but to do. He says, but you're going to be witnesses for me. Not just in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and every nook and cranny of the world. And uh, so that's the mission. So sometimes we forget what is our purpose and we we just get curious about all the other stuff that's going to happen or we want to crack the code of Christ coming back or something like that uh, and we totally miss the point. So as we look in Matthew 24, there's some deep stuff here, yeah, and some of this applies to things that were going to happen shortly. But just like any prophetic scripture, some of well, like some of it, it may have an application that is going to be fulfilled soon, and then a secondary fulfillment later on. Uh, well, anyway, uh, we often want to just complicate things, and we miss out on the point, point. and we're curious. I mean, all of us are curious about what's going to happen. How are things going to play out? Um, but the focus here isn't about curiosity. The focus here in this passage is about conduct, all right? So I hope that's our focus, is it's not just so we know some of these things. It's, when some of these things start happening and are happening, how does he expect us to behave? What does he want us to know? Uh, because uh, we, we're, I, I'm curious just like you, but um, I think it was Spurgeon that said something one time like, some people want to study long and hard and, uh, about the ten toes on that image that Daniel saw in that apocalyptic dream that he had back in the book of Daniel. They want to study on that, but they don't spend five minutes on the Ten Commandments. That there are some people that wax eloquent about the great tribulation, but they don't pay much attention to the great commission. And we, we certainly don't want to get our focus off. And uh, the enemy is always looking for things, even good things, even church things, to get our focus off of what we're supposed to be doing and our true purpose. But one sign that keeps coming up, not just with Jesus' is teaching, but from several other places, one sign that keeps coming up that gets worse and worse as we're going into the last times is false teaching, false prophets. Um, they're going to be out there with all of its crazy ideas, but also within the church, those claiming to be speaking for God. So in all the rush to figure out all the details about when Christ's going to come back and and the coming kingdom and all of that, uh, let's not miss the main point of what God's trying to tell us here. Uh, In fact, in this passage, you're going to find out that there is, first of all, a very important fact, a very important warning, a very powerful encouragement, and a very vital purpose. So let's read verses 11 through 14. Let's just pick up right there. Are you ready? It says, And verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You and I are living in verse 14, that the gospel is being Uh, proclaimed to all nations, to every ethnic group, to every tribe, to every language. And we're right in that verse... Right before the end comes. So we are supposed to be paying attention to our purpose. And the first thing that I want to bring out here that comes out is he points out a danger. The danger. That's the important fact that he wants us to know. The danger. And that is there are false teachers. They're not just coming from outside, but they're also coming from inside the church. They claim to be true prophets. And remember, a prophet. The word doesn't necessarily mean someone that tells the future. The word to prophesy means to speak forth. There are people who claim to speak forth on behalf of God or speak forth God's truth. Uh, but they're very deceptive and they're false prophets. They're false teachers. Uh, Paul warns about this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. You might look that up later where he says later on, he says that the Spirit, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, the Spirit expressly says, I mean, this is something he emphasized, that in the latter times, maybe where we're living, that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves, listen to this, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I mean, ultimately, he says this teaching comes from the pit, but... Uh, He goes on to say, "...through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared." And listen to some of the aspects of their false teaching. This is kind of noteworthy. He says, "...who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything..." Listen to what he says in verse 4. "...everything created by God is good, and nothing..." Is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So it seems like people were going to pile a lot of requirements and rules onto the gospel that weren't part of the gospel. Plus, this is just one of the symptoms of these things. Very interesting. But they depart from the faith, he says. And that word meaning the faith there isn't just how we trust and believe in Christ for salvation. The faith it encapsulates that whole body of teaching that is the gospel. That we embrace. So, a lot of people today, they know about Jesus. Uh, If you ask people, they say, Yeah, Uh, it'd be surprised how many people believe that he lived. In fact, some of the other belief systems uh, believe in Jesus, Uh, from Muslims to the New Age movement and metaphysics. they, They believe many of them Jesus lived, but for most of them, he's just one among so many, or one among so many teachers. And they have all kinds of different ideas about him. And though Jesus may be respected by many, he's worshipped by very few today. So people often ask, well, if the Bible's true, then why is there, Why are there so many other religions? And why are there so many false teachings and all these things that are cropping up? Why are they flourishing so much? And I would say the fact that they are just goes to prove that the Bible is true because the Bible itself predicted that this would happen. It's a fulfillment in and of itself of Bible prophecies. This is the warning that he gives us that we have to watch out for, that these, this is going to happen, and it is happening. So there's the the danger. Then there is the deception, a deception that he says we need to be aware of. It's, a, it's an important warning that we need to be, uh, the, to be aware of. The danger is going to involve a lot of deception. I've already mentioned because he says in verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased. That word lawlessness. Now some of the old translations render that iniquity. The word in the Greek is antinomia. Which means basically no law. So I think lawlessness is the best word to use there. And do we see lawlessness today? Yes, we do. Uh, But lawlessness increases as a belief in a fixed standard of truth decreases. Because there's no truth to hold us together. So people do what they did in the book of Judges. They do what's right in their own eyes. They're lawless. You're hearing a lot about that today. And that leads to chaos. And he goes on to say that uh, in verse 12, he says, Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold toward the things of God. They're going to grow cold. Um, and this is the thing that, that is, is happening, is that it's not just that so many people are up in arms just, you know, against and, and violently opposed to the gospel or, or, or the Bible. Um, the big problem is so many people who actually claim to believe it are just getting cold to it. They're just getting indifferent. They're just getting to where they just don't really care. That's a sign of our times, folks, right there. Don't miss it. And what we need to know is that uh, one reason why Jesus is saying this is such a big deal is God's word is absolute truth. It never changes. We live in a world where people want to believe that truth is relative, that what's true for you might not be true for me. What's true for me might not be true for you. But when truth is real, it's always true. It always has been true. It's true everywhere. And it always will be true. We, we understand perfect truth when it comes to things like physics and mathematics. Two plus two always is four if it's sometimes not and we got problems. But God's truth is absolute truth. And uh, when you remove that, then you start to have chaos in the world. And that's what we're seeing today is chaos. God's truth is absolute. So we're seeing moral chaos as we look around because we've not held to God's truth. We have no foundation. We really don't have anything we can hold on to. Uh, in our world. And the old adage that got popular, like in the 60s, in the 70s, that, you know, if it feels good, do it, has given away now to a modern pragmatism that says, if it works for you, well, then it must be right for you. And we devalue one another. We we, we devalue uh, others' Uh, opinions. We, we devalue human life. We devalue those who are yet to be born. We have all these things happening in our world, and it's no wonder. Also, social chaos. We're seeing that today. Um, we see greed and corruption. And you know, even with all the things that are going on today, with uh, uh, this, this new virus that is so mysterious, and there's still so many questions, and even with the injustice that has happened Uh, in throughout our, our nation and we are celebrating our nation but you know what the church needs to be the salt and light to this nation because even in the early days when we were first getting started and and we're supposed to be the land of the free and even though we were saying that not everybody was free there's been a lot of hypocrisy in the church there's been a lot of hypocrisy in our nation But even today, even in a time when we're addressing some social wrongs and some injustices, uh, it gets skewed just like everything with the virus because there are always those who are wanting to seize the opportunity with greed and corruption. There are those that are wanting to seize the opportunity because of the things going on in the world to make money off of this. They love to stir up controversy. They love to stir up problems. They love to stir up fear. They love to stir up unrest and anger. And what their goal is, is that they want to profit. They want to gain power. They want to get rich. And that's constant. That's not just now. That's always been happening. But we're seeing it happening in a major way today. Um, That's why uh, we need to realize that one thing that the Bible teaches and its truth is that we have to take responsibility, all of us for ourselves, We have to take responsibility for ourselves. You know what? That's involved in how I even came to Christ. You know, the whole thing of recognizing Christ as Lord and Savior and putting my faith in Him involves something the Bible calls repentance. Now, that means to turn. It means to change. It means I take ownership of my sin, and I admit the fact that I know I'm a sinner and I'm guilty before God. I take responsibility for that and then by faith repent of my sin and trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for my sins. That's even involved in my salvation. And you know what? It seems like, folks, today, uh, common sense, maybe we should call it uncommon sense because common sense just don't seem very common today. And the church... You know, is nonprofit? Maybe that's the problem with a lot of our churches. They are nonprofit. That is, there is no one speaking forth the word of God, the word of truth, because a prophet tells forth the Word of God and gives directions that God gives us that apply to our daily lives. There's also spiritual deception that's happening at this warning that he gives us uh, that the Bible even talks about. There's one coming. That maybe with all of this controversial stuff going on, that there, there, there may be somebody today that's looking for the opportunity to seize power and control. Well, anyway, the Bible talks about one who will come. And we know that this one that he's talking about in Second Thessalonians is one who will be destroyed by, by the presence of his coming. Uh, so, in my opinion, this hasn't happened yet. But there's one who is coming that'll work mighty miracles. I mean, he's going to he's going to speak be so deceptive. He'll say things that seem so true. He'll even have signs showing that maybe he's from God and that they're false signs, the Bible says, because even though they're real miracles and real signs that they're not pointing to what he's saying, they're pointing to. And that the Bible says that they're so real and convincing that it could almost fool God's chosen people. In 2 Thessalonians, verse 9. In verse 9, it says, the coming of the lawless one. Lawlessness increasing? Then the coming of the lawless one, he says, is by the activity of Satan. With all power, there's going to be power. And false signs And wonders. The reason why they're false signs is because, as I said, he tries to make it look like it's pointing to something different than what it is. And then verse 10, it says, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Why are they perishing? Why are they deceived? He tells us, for, he says, because they refuse to love the truth. To be saved. So one of the very reasons why, when this happens and how all that's happening, I don't know. But what you need to know is one of the reasons why many people be swept up into deception and perish is because their love for the truth has grown cold. They refuse to love the truth, and that's what we see happening today. And lawlessness is abounding, and God will allow this to happen. We've already been told that in Scripture. It's gonna happen. God always works through a remnant, doesn't he? But God may use this to clean house. Well, anyway, the next thing that we see here come out is the discernment that we're to have. And this is a powerful encouragement that he's given us. He's wanting us to know these things so we can have this discernment. And the reason why so many that that the reason why so many will be deceived is they don't have that discernment. That they don't have a deep love and understanding of the truth of God. That is the Bible. God's word is complete, folks, and we've got it before us. And the Holy Spirit has determined that this is the main thing that God's going to use, that he's going to use, the Holy Spirit's going to use to give you discernment. So if you're praying for wisdom, if you're praying for discernment today, but yet you're not spending time not only reading this, but understanding it properly, and then applying it to your life, you can't expect to have discernment. You can pray for it, but if you're not willing to open the book that he gave you and apply it to your life, then his answer is going to be no, you're not going to get it because you're not doing and using the tools that I gave you. So uh, the question I need to ask is, how about you? Are you doing this? Are you, are you ripe for deception? Is your love growing cold? Are you just getting where you don't care? have to ask ourselves these questions now in our text in Matthew 24 as I said it's, it many of these things apply to the coming hard times that they were about to have when the Romans would trample Jerusalem down and that uh, but many of these things also apply maybe later on and they're also an encouragement to us because in verse 13 he lets us know that even though it's going to be difficult times that those who endure to the end will be saved Now pay attention because he's not talking about how you're saved. Because we're not saved by works and then hopefully at the end everything tallies up to where we're saved. That's not what the rest of the New Testament teaches. We are saved by the grace of God. What Jesus did for us on the cross and the power of his resurrection. And we're saved by putting our total faith and trust in him. Uh, so, but what he's talking about here, and, and we, we know this, we, know, we can know that we have been saved. All right, You don't say, well, I hope I can endure and be saved because you can know that you are saved. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, a verse hopefully you're familiar with, John tells us that the very reason he wrote the things that he wrote in that book of the Bible, he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That is, you have faith in Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God you can continue to walk in faith I know I'm safe so there's these aspects of our faith our salvation carries with it the uh, element of perseverance of going through because see we have not received yet everything that's involved in our salvation. In fact, Paul says in another place that the Holy Spirit in our life is like a deposit God has made in our life. That's a guarantee for more to come. Uh, that he's going to fulfill every promise that he's given us. And so even while I'm here on earth, I can know I'm saved. But I haven't received, I haven't received everything that's involved in my salvation yet. Um, I have been saved. I can, you can be saved and know that you're saved. So we can say it as Warren Wiersbe used to say in these three tenses. I can say I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I can point to a time that I know I was saved. I've been saved from the penalty of sin. That is separation from God and separation from him eternity in hell, in eternity in hell. And so I can say I have been saved. I can also say I am being saved in the present tense. I am being saved from the power of sin in my life. That's sanctification as I'm growing in him. That that I'm being delivered, saved, delivered from the power of sin in my life. And then I can also say, I will be saved. Future tense. From the very presence of sin completely and live in perfection. So I haven't received everything involved in my salvation. And I can know that I will be delivered. That I will. Think, listen folks. This is going to, it's not going to stay like this. That we will be delivered. We will be saved. We will be delivered from the wrath that is coming from God upon this world. If you belong to Jesus. So this is more of an encouragement than anything. Don't give up. Just because the world's getting crazy and wicked people are getting wickeder, more wicked. However you want to say that. Uh, So in all these things, I need to stick to the truth of God. I need to know what thus saith the Lord, okay? All right. So then not only that, then the the last thing is the design. God has a particular design that he wants us to stick to. That is the vital purpose, the vital purpose. It all comes down to what he says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Folks, it comes down to teaching and proclaiming and living out the good news to the whole world. This is why we are here. This is the whole reason why we're still here. That there will be a witness established in every part of the world. We can't lose focus on that. That is the mission that he gave us. That's why we're here. It might be all kinds of things going on. We need to deal with falsehood. We need to deal with social injustice. We need to deal... With problems, and we need to deal with poverty, and we need to deal with disease. We need to help hungry people. We need to help clothe people that need it. We need to do all of that. But all of those are mechanisms and tools for sharing the good news, the hope, the love. I mean, the love that we're to have, the world needs that. I mean, the love that we have through Christ is supernatural love coming through us, where He tells us that we're to love our neighbors, whoever they are, as much as we love ourselves. He tells us in the body of Christ that we're to love one another as much as Jesus loved us. In fact, he even tells us that we're to love our enemies. It takes the power of God to do that. But my question is, is the world seeing that from me? Is the world seeing that from all of us? This is why we're here, this witness of the gospel. The world needs love. The world needs hope. The world needs truth, joy, and peace, and and contentment. And that's something that we see a lot of people, uh, they're struggling with these days. Um, now, the word world here in this verse is a different Greek word than what was used in verse three. The disciples talked about in the end of the age. This word translated world literally means the inhabited earth. A lot of times when I'm trying to figure out how a word should be uh, interpreted and understood, I want to see how it's used other places in the Bible. And that particular Greek word is used in Luke chapter two, verse one, when it says Caesar sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. And that was like all of the known uh, world of the the Roman empire. So when he says this gospel to all the whole world, it is the whole planet, you know what I'm saying? And if somebody's on Mars, we need to make sure they know too. Okay. So it involves everything that we're going to spread the gospel." And let them know that this is truth. This is God's truth. This is the objective truth. This is the thing that delivers the hope. This is what delivers the salvation. This is what takes you through these serious times, desperate times. Diff- we haven't seen difficult times like maybe we think we have, but we might. I don't know. I pray God will deliver us. But nevertheless, we need to know that there's something we can build our life on. There's something we can stand on, and we need to pay attention not just to the things that we need to know about, but to the purpose that we're to fulfill. And we need need to keep our our focus on that on God's truth this objective truth this absolute truth that never changes because you know what if there's no absolute truth then there's really nothing worth dying for I mean I don't want to die for something that's not true so if there's no real unchanging truth then there's there's really nothing worth dying for and 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 if there's nothing worth dying for there's really nothing worth living for either this thing that's happened in our world, this love of people growing cold, um, secularization of our society, the influence of society on us, influencing us more than this is influencing us. That what we read, what we see on social media, what we watch, what music, is probably influencing many who claim to be followers of Christ more than The word of God. It's been said that this has caused what fire, chains, and lions could not. And that is namely believers becoming convinced that other things are more important than their faith. Few are willing to die for their faith. Not many are even willing to live for it. He wants us to know Him and have a relationship where not only are we willing to die for this truth, but we're also willing to live this truth. So, let's wrap this up. Are you ready? Good. Okay, so here's from Jesus. This is what I'm saying. Living in serious times, that they've had some before, but we got some coming. If we're living in last days, it might be, it might be that, that they're going to be worse. It may be that He's not going to come take you out of here before some of these things are happening. So, pay attention. Don't be deceived. That's it. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. Don't stumble. How am I going to not do that? Stay in the Word. Live by it. Stay connected to solid uh, church and other believers. We made us to be a part of the body of Christ and made us to be a part of a family. Remember, remember this God is more interested in your conduct today than satisfying your curiosity about what might happen tomorrow. Okay, so we're all worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. But God's saying, I want you to pay attention to how you need to be living today. Some are more interested in prophecy because in their minds, if I can just figure out, you know, if we're really in the last days, and, and boy, if I become convinced that it is, then I'll get right with God. No, you, 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 or otherwise, maybe not so much. You need to get right today. So don't be deceived. Don't get off track. Stay in God's truth. Secondly, don't be paralyzed with fear. Don't be, there's no need to be paralyzed with fear. Now, there are troubling things and there's things that are concern us and in and, and things like that, but we don't need to be paralyzed by it because we know in whom we have confidence. So I don't have to be controlled. I don't have to be paralyzed by fear. I don't have to live in a sense of panic and dread and uncertainty. I know in whom I believe. And you can have your feet on the solid rock, even though everything else is shifting sand. And the last thing, is I think we don't need to place too much value in things that God's going to destroy anyway. We put all of our time and our energy and our effort into just physical, material things. And it's good to have those things. And I thank God we've been blessed so, so much and many of us really have a lot that we need to thank God for. And we need to use those for his glory because they're still really his too. We're just managers and stewards. But the problem is a lot of times we get distracted by all the things in the world. Listen what Peter said about the day that Jesus talked about here about the end. Also called the day of the Lord. Listen to this, okay? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's going to sneak up on people. He says, and then look what's going to happen. The heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up. That's talking about, about all the galaxies and stars and sun and moon. It says that the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Then he says, he asks a question. He says, then see, since these things are thus to be dissolved, because he talks about all these things just being dissolved. He says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? So knowing what you know, what kind of people ought we to to be in our holiness and godly life? And so let's pay attention and let's not miss the opportunity for this to also be some of the most exciting days in the kingdom of God. As we prepare for things that you think you couldn't imagine what's happening now, you can't imagine what God's got in mind forever. Okay, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just want to ask right now for you to open up our hearts to understand and apply this truth. That yes, we're curious, but Lord, you're more interested in our conduct. And I pray that we would apply these things and realize that there are some warnings. Uh, there, there's danger, um, but there's also encouragement. There's also uh, instruction. There's this purpose that you've given us to spread your truth, your gospel, your love to the ends of the world. Help us to not be distracted and help us to use every tool that we can. And Lord, if there's anyone listening right now that has decided, you know what? I believe and I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I realize I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. That they would pray right now and repent of that sin. Trust you, Lord Jesus. And that they would receive that eternal life and that they can be saved and know that they're saved. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help all of us to take our daily walk serious and Lord, not to panic, but Lord, to keep our focus on you and not on uh, the things that are going crazy in our world and not on the things of the world. So we give you the glory and we thank you.